Hi, I'm Dr. Stewart. And I'm Leah Tyndale, and this is What's Up, Doc? This mini-series is about mental health, that topic that affects us all, and if it doesn't affect us, it certainly affects somebody close to us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just before we get started, as always, it's really important to note that this is just general advice, and if you do have any specific questions or um, concerns, you should definitely go and see your local GP. But let's dive in. So, Dr. Stewart, mental health, it's a big, broad topic. I suppose the best place to start is the range of uh, diagnoses that are out there. And um, because, yeah, I mean, where where do you want to start? There's there's so much that falls under that banner. There are huge amounts that fall under that banner. I mean, the most common ones that we see are going to be anxiety and depression um, and some other conditions that are associated. But there are are definitely a, a long list of mental health disorders out there and lots of things that affect lots of people and as I say either affect the patient themselves or the people around them in in significant ways. Absolutely so to get started let's look at um, depression because I think that's a really classic one and probably something that a lot of people would like more (laughs) insight into especially if you're not sure maybe if if you have it or if you're just having a really bad day or week or month. <laughs> and, and this is the challenge is uh, a lot of people will be dismissive of their own symptoms or of the, the symptoms of those around them because they'll say, oh, you know, it's just been having a hard time or it's just a bit of a downtime or whatever. And, and you know, that's OK. Sometimes that is true. But when it becomes more uh, invasive into our lives, when it starts to infect other areas of our lives, that's when we start to reflect on, could this actually be something more pathological? Could this be something more medical? Could there be an actual medical problem here? Um, so if you have a persistently low mood for a persistent period of time, so usually we say to people, you know, if you look back over the last two weeks, have most days been good days? Have most days been bad days? Or is it about 50-50? Yeah, sure. And I think unless most days are good days, we're certainly still going down the journey of could this be a, a mental health problem rather than just a bad time? Yeah, okay. Um, the other things that we look at, things like sleep quality, for example. Um, poor sleep quality has an impact on your mental health. But it can also be as a consequence of your reduction in your quality of mental health as well. So if we see a reduction in your sleep quality, then that can certainly be something that that points us in that direction. And sleep quality reduction doesn't necessarily imply that you're not getting enough sleep. You can be getting tons of sleep, but you wake up feeling like you haven't slept at all. Right, okay. Other things we look at, um, appetite and weight gain or loss. Um, And if that changes, again, that can be an indication of mental health uh, issues. Uh, fatigue is a very common one. People are commonly uh, feeling very tired and we're all tired lots of the time. We've discussed that previously. And I think uh, it's just part of the the overall jigsaw that we're trying to piece together with someone here. Absolutely. Um, but people um, often feel uh, an overwhelming tiredness. And I think that again points us to there's something else going on here that's mm. not just about poor sleep quality. There's more going on here. Um, and loss of... Um, drive and loss of desire to do things that we used to enjoy doing so commonly people fall away from sports and hobbies and other things they're less socially engaging all of these features together and several others are part of the overall picture that we're trying to paint of someone who actually is suffering with a mental health condition and possibly needs some intervention 
And I suppose is depression often the sort of starting line to whether, okay, you are, you might have depression or you might then also have uh, another mental health condition because there's a lot of obviously crossover between depression, maybe anxiety, and then some more, uh, more broad conditions. And I, I see a lot of depression. I see a lot of anxiety. And honestly, I don't think I've ever seen one without at least some element of the other. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's usually an 80, 20, 90, 10 split. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting about that is when you deal with one, the other one becomes much more obvious because um, it, it was perhaps, for, so for example, if you have underlying anxiety, but depression's a bigger issue, the depression means that you're less likely to go out and do things, and which means you're not you're not yeah. provoking the anxiety. Right. Whereas when we start to help with your depression, you might become more socially available, and then you start going places and you start interacting with people, and you start to feel a bit anxious about it. So it's a little bit ironic that actually right. this elephant in the room suddenly appears as if from nowhere, when in actual fact it was always there. We just necessarily weren't exposing it. Yeah. Okay. So I suppose that's a good segue into anxiety. What are the kind of um, broad markers and and sort of the thing when we're looking at okay that as a as a mental health issue? We've all felt anxious, and um, I think it's a it's a very much a normal human feeling, a normal human emotion. It's when it gets out of control that's the problem. So if you're lying in bed awake, worrying for hours on end, well, maybe that's actually within the realms of normal. Maybe you do have serious financial issues and you really are worried about how you're going to deal with them. But maybe you're worried about something and you don't know specifically what it is or you're worrying about random things that you know you don't need to worry about. You just worry about them anyway. Those are when those are the issues that when it starts to cross into that space, we start to wonder about is this something that needs to be investigated and treated a little bit better. And it, it feeds into other aspects. So, for example, people often present with a headache. And that's commonly because of muscle tension in the shoulders. Everything becomes all nice and tense. And then that's a really fascinating point, because I think uh, that's probably something that a lot of people don't know about anxiety. And I suppose then that link that would come across your whole body. present with physical symptoms. Yeah, and you might think, oh, this is then just stress. But of course, could be very much linked to anxiety. Absolutely. And there are other features as well. So, for example, people commonly come in and say, oh, I really have difficulty concentrating uh, or I'm really easily fatigued. and actually, when you probe into that, you discover that they are actually worrying about things. Mm. And it's then a case of unpicking that a little bit and saying, OK, is this how you've always been, which may still be pathological? Or is this a new thing, in which yeah. case we've got something new that we need to deal with as well? So there's lots and lots of things like that. The other things uh, to do with anxiety that really um, people don't often consider is irritability. So commonly okay. we'll get uh, a patient coming in um, and it's been the partner who's encouraged them to come in because they're having lots of fights and they're actually thinking relationship counselling. Mm. And when you probe into it, then, yeah, there is actually some anxiety underlying and maybe that needs to be focused on first of all. And then if there are consequent issues, we can deal with those. Yeah, right, okay. So then moving on to other um, uh, conditions that fall under mental health, we've yep. got ADHD. Yes. So what does that kind of break that down for us just broadly? So ADHD and I think probably a generation ago autism was was seen in a similar way, which is that it's seen as being maybe by some people at least flavor of the month. Yeah, okay. you know there seemed to be an explosion in diagnoses, and the reason for that is because there is an explosion in diagnoses, but that doesn't mean there's an explosion in cases. Explain. Whether we diagnose it or not, yeah. people out there have ADHD. Sure, okay. We're now just able to diagnose it and sure. treat it. 
So, so you're saying like compared to say the 90s, which I felt like there was an influx of ADHD sort of diagnosis. It was a bit on trend for a while. Indeed. But then the the way we diagnose for ADHD now is very different. So more people yeah. are picking up or is it more that people feel comfortable to go? There's a whole combination. Okay, it, it, sure. There's lots of factors that play into it. Um, number one, I guess the publicity around it yeah. um, and lots of people being diagnosed and then looking at their friends and going, you're just like me. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if you've got ADHD. And therefore, there is that. Yes. Um, there's, again, publicity in terms of media and even negative pub- publicity where people are saying, is this actually you know, overdiagnosed? Which mm. I, I don't believe it is. I think there is um, just a wider acknowledgement of the okay. issue. Um, but that greater availability of knowledge is what prompts that. And also just in general terms, doctors being more aware of it, more thinking down the lines of, for example, ADHD in about a third of cases uh, coexists with anxiety. So people with severe anxiety could potentially have ADHD. And certainly I've discovered in the past that some patients who have very resistant, treatment-resistant anxiety, in other words, anxiety where when I treat them with the traditional methods, their anxiety either doesn't get better or paradoxically gets worse. It makes me now think ADHD. Because that's not uncommon to see that happen. And is that so, something that you've noticed and because of recent research? Or is that something that doctors knew, say, you know, 20, 30 years ago, but it wasn't necessarily that anxiety was uh, recognised and treated as much? It's becoming more apparent because there are so many more cases of, sure. of ADHD and therefore we're identifying the greater frequency with which it coexists with anxiety. Okay. And so by definition, it then makes us feedback that loop and think, actually... This anxiety isn't behaving the way I would expect it to. Why is that? And we start to retrace our steps. And that's where I start to think, have I got the underlying diagnosis slightly wrong? Or have I missed something important in this? In that it's actually the ADHD that's driving the anxiety. And if we can deal with the ADHD, the anxiety by definition, hopefully will then become less of an issue. So within ADHD, do you have different types or is it sort of its own banner? Like how does it how does how does it work? Like, a, is there a spectrum or? So not so much of a spectrum, although you do crossover. So there's the inattentive type, sure. which is the the people who struggle with focus, and you know that's uh, a common problem. But in in ADHD in particular, it's really quite severe in most cases, where people literally struggle to read a page or a chapter of a book without having to go back and reread and reread and eventually just give up because it's just not working out. Uh, so inattention is certainly one of the hallmarks of the inattentive type, and there are a bunch of other features. The other main type or the other type is is hyperactive or um, impulsivity. Uh, and again, that we when I was a child, I think kids were just labeled as hyperactive mm. um, or mischievous or naughty or badly behaved or whatever. Um, whereas now we actually understand the, the underlying condition. And then you get something called mixed type or combined type, which is essentially you've got features of both. And right, okay. depending on where you lie within that, we then move on to a, a treatment program that's suited to that individual person. Yeah, right. Okay. So there's, I mean, with all these sorts of mental health conditions, whatever it is, there's there's so many layers and there's so much, and they often can be crossovers as well. And and these are just some of the ones we've talked about 
at the moment, mm. uh, these are probably the most common, would you say? Indeed. These are, these are as, as we understand it just now, the only types. Yeah. But I agree that this is still an evolving field within medicine. And I think, you know, we may well understand it better in the future and subdivide further. Yeah. Okay. And now going on more broadly to other uh, mental health conditions, yep. there are ones that I suppose um, you could say are not as um, trendy, <laughs> if sure. you want to, for lack of a better word, sure. but they are very prevalent and um, probably sometimes more difficult to diagnose because they aren't as common mm. so we've got things like um bipolar 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 um and a thing to do with anything to do with mania as well yeah um can you talk me through a bit about bipolar because i think there's a lot of misconceptions especially around it's perceived in this in the movies you know as you've got the the manic and and then and just well crazy really i suppose yeah. for lack of a better word which yeah. is really horrible and it makes people uh, not seek help Indeed. and then create stigma Indeed. around something that shouldn't doesn't need to have stigma. Absolutely, and no, you're quite right about that. And and I think there is a perception that we'll we'll encounter later in this series about stigma and, and how yes. that impacts on people's ability to present. Uh, bipolar, which is more formally known as bipolar affective disorder, is a condition which uh, touches on a few of those things that you mentioned. But its its criteria are that you have to have had something called mania, or at the very least, something we call hypomania, mm. uh, and also depression. Generally, there are some subtleties within that, but mania is a um, a very specific medical condition, and it's not often seen by us. Okay. In, in the real world, uh, fortunately, because it's actually quite extreme. Hypomania is slightly more commonly seen, um, and it's just a, a, a sub, it's a drop down slightly from, from full-blown mania. But essentially, those encompass a situation where someone is um, the opposite of depressed, if you like. They are effusive, they are very, um, sure. very... Uh, explosive almost in terms of the personality but also uh, you tend to see features such as uh, they maybe blow a fortune on credit cards okay. uh, they'll run up a huge amount of debt they'll go to the casino and you know bet the mortgage on black these types of situations um, which are very out of character for somebody who maybe traditionally would have been much more conservative mm. for example Depression, of course, we've already touched on and, and the, the, the low mood aspect of that as well. And sometimes people um, vary quite dramatically um, between those two extremes. And it can be an incredibly distressing journey, not only for the patient, but also those around them who Absolutely. are directly affected by it because, um, for example, financial distress or other issues that it can create. Um, and also, you know, um, it's difficult to be a person who's caring for or, or living with someone with a condition where you actually don't know whether you're going to wake up with somebody who's high or low yes. or somewhere in between and the difficulties that that introduces to relationships and to the stressors that, that families experience every day. Yeah, well, is there other sort of conditions that we should probably touch on that's important um, just before we close? Because um, I know, you know, there's obviously things like phobia, mm. um, schizophrenia that are also under this banner. Yeah, schizophrenia is an interesting one. It's a, um, a disorder where people are... To, to at least an extent detached from reality. Okay. Um, and that can be very difficult. There's often hallucinations, whether they are auditory hallucinations or whether they actually see people or things that aren't there. And depending on the severity or the, 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 the construct of their condition, um, they might actually appreciate that. They might understand that they don't actually see a squirrel bouncing around yes. on the floor. Um, or they may not understand that. 
And also sometimes these hallucinations can be either quite aggressive towards the patient or indeed encourage the patient to be aggressive mm. to others. Or they might just be benign and just an, an observation. But it can be very distressing to the patient. And even if they do understand that that's something that's not real, it's still a distressing thing to have to live with. So schizophrenia and an associated condition called schizoaffective disorder are, are both very real and very significant medical conditions that I see patients with on a very regular basis okay. um, struggling with. Yeah. Um, and they're very important to recognise. Um, it's very interesting to me that sometimes patients will come in in their late teens, early 20s, and sometimes even later and say, um, you know, I've been hearing these voices for a long time and I just assumed everybody did. Yeah, right. um, and when you actually unpick it, there, there is actually some underlying schizophrenia or other psychotic disorder going on. Um, and they just assumed it was normal because it's always been there. Yes, yeah. So it's a very distressing condition, but it is something that can be very successfully treated as okay. well. Oh, well, that's good to know. Mm. And we're going to be diving into treatments as well in uh, further episodes. But just to close on sort of this overview, is there any other conditions that you just wor- uh, that's worth mentioning? Oh, there's a lot that we see. Yeah. You mentioned about phobia earlier, which is that irrational fear of of something. There's things like OCD, of which course, people yeah. have familiarity with from movies and from, um, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of misunderstanding for these conditions, but actually they can all be quite distressing for people. So yeah. they're all things that we see on a regular basis. They're all things that we would be able to converse with a patient about to reassure them, potentially treat them for. Um, and it's all it's all part of the service here at Dr. Stewart's House of Medicine. <laughs> that's right. And I think that's a great way to close as well, because there is so much to cover and hopefully we can um, help provide some insight and um, take away some of that stigma and then hopefully help people to go on their own journey, go and see their own GP and, and start um, getting help and assistance, whatever that looks like. Um, but don't go anywhere because coming up, our next episode is going to be on diagnosis. And that's going to be so full of tips isn't it i hope so (laughs) so make sure you tune in because that one's coming up very next otherwise thanks dr stewart thank you leah all content and media related to the what's up doc podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice if you have any questions or concerns please make sure you see your local healthcare professional